thank you Barbara for coming on the podcast with us today um, just to jump straight into it we we've had well, well we've had quite a few podcast episodes and on a lot of them we've tried to bring up questions around giants uh, to quite a few different guests and a lot of them have sort of shrugged it off or tried tried to sort of change the subject because they're a bit uh, I don't think a lot of people really want to talk about it but I can see from when I look through your website you've got a lot of information on giants so I was wondering if you could just tell us what your theories are around giants I, I do have a lot about giants on the on the website and um it my theory is that you know yeah they they did exist absolutely and uh there's been evidence of it all over this country of course uh, the Smithsonian has done its very, very best to destroy all of that evidence, but it still is is around. And I think it's a part of our history of our evolution that um, is is very important. I mean, giants are born today. They they have a condition they call giantism, but but it so it is in our DNA absolutely. And if you go to the biblical definition of giants, which would be exceedingly tall, red hair, double rows of teeth, extra digits on fingers and toes. Um, I, I had a, a, a co-host once who, whose entire family had red hair, double rows of teeth, extra digits on fingers and toes. So that, so that it's in our DNA, it's, it's part of our evolution and it's part of our evolution that I think science can't explain, so they ignore. It's, it's the same thing with the little people. They do exist. Actually, they, they races of little people um, do exist in, in, in it's Tibet or China. Um, they were, they're, they're called the, um, the um, oh, come on. They're called the Dropa. It's a, it's a tribe of um, little people that, that basically go back evidence of them goes back 10,000 years. And what I find fascinating is in 1939, a, an archeologist was looking around for caves to take his students in. And he found a cave that um, was in, in Turkey, Turkey, China, in there someplace. And he found these dropa stones. They're circular stones. They look like records, even have a hole in the middle and they have grooves. and there were over 700 of them. He gathered them together. They were in a museum. Somebody actually started looking at them and found that there were glyphs inside the grooves. And when they and when they were deciphered, the glyphs basically told the story of a, a spaceship that had crashed, and um, that that the people were not able to repair it, so that they were going to have to blend in with the indigenous people. And that they they actually did so, and that's a great story. And everybody you know who I tell it to think, yeah, right. That's that's just some story story. But the reality is, the Dropa tribe still exists in that area. They are still only about three feet high, and they live in the higher altitudes. And their their eyes and their complexions are slightly different, so that so that that group of quote unquote aliens are still alive on the planet at this time. Now, um, as far as the giants go, uh, 
you know, they've been used as an anomaly in, in you know, Barnum and Bailey Circus. We have giants that are still in the Chinese army because when you, when the new guy came into power, you saw the army all lined up and it was shrimp, 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 giant, shrimp, 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 shrimp. So they're here, they're still here. They haven't been outbred so that at some point in time they were inbred. And in this country, there were graveyards that, that were dug up and the Smithsonian took, took all the bones and put them into a, a, a barge and they took them out into the Atlantic and they dumped them. So, so you have bones that are still being discovered, but for some reason, they can't fit them into the, the genetic family that, that goes from ape to human. So because they can't explain it, they ignore it. Now, um, I'm of the belief system that we as, as homo sapiens sapiens um, were, were seated on this planet as we are now. And, you know, I'm not sure where the giants actually came from. It may have been, uh, you know, uh, an anomaly in the DNA or whatever. I do believe that the giants were tribes. They, there were many of them in the Bible mentioned so that, so that they, they've been around a long time. And, you know, even though they say that, you know, God flooded the planet to get rid of the anomalies and the, and the, and the evil things, um, giants seem to have survived the flood as well. So it, it's, um, I can't explain them, except they're very much like, like the little people. They're like, um, they're like midgets and dwarfs. They are, you know, they are a, a strand of our DNA. So we all have the, that possibility within us. You know, DNA is, they only understand a portion of our DNA. It's, it's, it's all in there. It's just the scientists haven't found them, so they don't acknowledge them yet. When we look at the past of giants, let's say, before the, the big flood, is there any idea on how big the giants were originally? Sure, they went to 12 or 15 feet. Um, in the Bible, I think it talks about one of them whose bed had to be so big that, you know, um, I forget exactly how big it was, but they're they're talking, the Israelites um, mentioned to the commanders that that they felt like insects, they be, you know, next to them, that, um, that basically, I guess the visual is that they could walk beneath their legs and not hit anything. Big. But, but, but look at us, you know, our, our, our stature has shrunk over time. So I would imagine that, um, that giant stature did shrink over time as well. So do you believe the Smithsonian's are trying to cover this up because it doesn't fit into their existing narrative of how humans became humans? Exactly. You know, if, if Darwin didn't say it, that it didn't happen. And, and they, were, they were radical in that. And I think they've done that with a number of other things too. Um, they're not thrilled about the elongated skulls. They're not thrilled about a, a lot of things. They're, they're, very, <clears throat> they're very old fashioned. And I think that's that's how archaeologists 
up to a certain point of time and maybe even to present that if they don't go along with the accepted theory, they're afraid to say something because they don't want to be made a fool of if it's wrong. So they, they, you know, they stay right in the, in the narrow confines of what is accepted and has been accepted for hundreds of years. And it's ridiculous because with science today, you know, we can see so much more and knew, know so much more and actually do. But it's a matter, it's a matter of, you know, they, you can be wrong, but why not put it out there? You know, why say, well, I got this, but I'm not sure. And, you know, archaeologists, scientists, all scientists are very reluctant to put forward a, a theory that doesn't go along with everybody else's because they don't want to be um, ostracized. Right. And it kind of goes against what science is truly about, because I mean, with the technology we've got today, we should be able to take more risks into looking into things. And yeah, if we get things wrong nine, 10, 11 times, then the 12th time we're right, that's more groundbreaking than, than anything that we can possibly do because we're stagnated at the moment. Oh yeah, and, and you know, you they did a study on um, human DNA and they, they understood that, that after so many years, there was a modification. There was, it did change, it shifted slightly. And when they got back to the original age of our DNA, they found, strangely enough, that our DNA is older than the age of the Earth. So we didn't come from this planet. Yeah, that comes. There was a theory which I was listening to not long ago that we, you, you, you may know about it, about the um, intergalactic space battle, and we escaped the uh, the space battle, landed on on Earth and sort of lost our memory, uh, had amnesia to a certain degree, and then we've had to relearn a lot of uh, sort of things. But I guess at, at, when, we, when we look back at ancient times, it seems that we've had even more amnesia because they seem to have known a lot more than we know today. Well, if you look, um, I mean, that's one theory for sure. Uh, if you look at Christian O'Brien, he's written a book called The Shining Ones, and um, his theory is that um, <clears throat> that we were we were the original people who came to this planet were here to cultivate it, and they did interbreed with the people that were here. And the shining they were they were called the shining ones because they did um, they radiated they they were wherever they came from they they were shining. And they were also um, much long lived than we are. And so their theory is that it's their children that we be, that, that we came from, I think, personally. And, and the O'Brien book is really fascinating. Um, but I, I kind of am of the opinion today, and it changes, it changes almost daily, but I believe that we were um, transplanted here as we are now. We came through a portal and we arrived on the planet and multiplied right what what do you think the reason was that we took the portal to to this planet uh <clears throat> it could have been that we were explorers it could have been that that we were escaping something um 
I don't I don't know, but but I I do believe that that as you and I are today is basically the same as, as we came through the through the portal. Um, obviously, with more wisdom, more knowledge, more insight, the ability to do so much more. And if you go back to before the flood, to civilizations before the flood, um, it, it it appears that that the culture that was here. Um, was able to do things like anti-gravity stuff that was here, you know, they, they had they had different philosophies and different ways of living. And if you'll notice, most of our history only goes back to the flood. You know, the Great Pyramid was, was built after the flood. The Sphinx was after the flood. I don't believe that. I believe they were pre-flood. And that's why we don't understand them. How long ago do you think we came over in the, in the through this portal? Probably millions of years ago. Um, if you if you take um, the king's the king's list of the Sumerians, it goes back a hundred and some thousand or two hundred and some thousand years. Um, the the history of humanity is um, exceedingly long and. And according to some people like Philip Lindsay, um, we, we basically go through different stages, ages. And at the end of the five or eight ages, there's a massive destruction and then we start all over again. And it's on a spiral. So, um, you know, I don't think that, that to calculate in years is appropriate for something as long as as the history of mankind or, or our evolution of our species you just you can't do it i mean we, we get set back to the stone age and then we evolve into an industrial age and then we have a golden age and then we screw it up and and you know a comet hits the planet or we blow ourselves up or whatever but enough of the species survives that we start over again do you think we're at that point? Well, coming closer towards that point now. Um, <clears throat> it looks like it, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I think if if you look at the 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 ages of man, that that we've got a good seventeen thousand years to go before that massive thing happens. That doesn't mean that we can't come close. That doesn't mean if you and if you look at it biblically. This is not end times. We're we're destroying ourselves and the planet. Um, this is not end times. This is screw up times for sure. But I mean, nobody is gonna. Now I'll make this statement, and someone will prove me wrong. But the Chinese don't want to drop any bombs on us because they want our land. So they're not going to contaminate the land. The Russians want our 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 food supply. So they're not going to drop a bomb on us. So dropping a nuclear weapon of any sort is stupid because you destroy the land, so you have nothing. So while we have it, and and, and, and stop and think about it, the U.S. is the only country stupid enough to actually drop one on someone. So um, it's a worthless it's a worthless um, weapon because you destroy the land and you can't inhabit it for thousands of years. So so what's the point? Yeah, literally it is pointless to use something like that. 
does doesn't mean you know your your bomb your your bunker bomb things and everything can't destroy a lot they can but but you can sweep up the rubble and start again you can plant the fields again you're not going to in any way um it's the planet people are fighting for and control of the planet not the people so with everything that's sort of going on at the moment and from the knowledge that you have um around sort of the past why do you think they are telling us that ufos exist today like why 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 is mexico releasing this information today well i think the ufos have always been here i think we're the ones that are invading i think this planet is their home planet not ours and uh in in many cases i don't think you're seeing a manned ufo you're seeing uh, a drone of sorts now when it comes for some reason People thought that there were aliens and, you know, little green men inside and stuff, stuff like that. But, but I think that basically 90% of what you see are drones of some sort. And today, ever since Roswell, um, everybody has their own, you know, th their own style of UFO. So today, if you see something in the sky, um, heck, I decided that the that meditating on Venus would be a really cool thing to do, spiritually speaking. And so for a solid two months, I meditated on Venus, only to discover I was meditating on the space station. But I still felt good. Um, you know, I, I had not identified Venus at all. But but the thing is, if you look at a lot of the their sightings in the sky, they they don't you don't know if there's anything that's piloting them at all and look what we can do with drones i mean we can we can we can make our drones go through all of the stuff that the ufo's go through so why isn't it you know a would you put would you put somebody a, a human li would you put a human life or or a life of any sort in that kind of danger no, you, you'd put an automated something there to check it out. And, and you know, yeah, there have been manned ones, I'm sure. But, but not as many as everybody is saying. And, and um, it's, it's, to me, I think we have to have a great deal of respect for the UFOs. I mean, they say we have a contract with them. That's baloney. Um, I'm not saying that Eisenhower didn't meet with aliens because he may well have, but stop and think what we did when we had contracts with the Native Americans when we came here. I mean, it was a stupid piece of paper that we ignored and we killed them off. So, so we wouldn't have a uh, we wouldn't have a a contract or a treaty with an alien race. That's they're so far ahead of us intellectually. What kind of idiot thinks that you know? I mean, that's, I'm sure if they actually were meeting with aliens, aliens would think, well, look how primitive they are. Well, let's play along because we're not going to pay any attention to this anyhow. And they don't. Yeah, why would an alien pay attention to a piece of paper? Exactly. <laughs> I, they probably don't even have paper anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> they probably don't even know what paper is. Exactly. Probably wondering why we even use paper. Well, they would probably think, isn't this cute? And, you know, ignore it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't think Eisenhower met with anybody. Um, you know. So, I, so, so why do you think they're bringing it to the public's attention so much at the moment? Because they think we're stupid. And, and, and it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I believe that, that all governments, that, that there is a, <clears throat> I do believe that there is a, a power behind all governments that the government doesn't know about. And, and it's, it's, they think they're in control, but they're not, they're, they're puppets. And there are <clears throat> probably five or six different levels of, um, control that, that you'd have to go through to actually get to whoever or whatever, what consciousness, whatever, is truly in control. Um, I, I, you know, for our government, <laughs> I'm sorry, our government is a joke these days, but, 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 um, but, but there is, there, there is an energy, a power and intelligence that is manipulating them and then there's another level above that, um, Gary Wayne, who's an amazing, amazing um, biblical scholar, uh, talks about how the fact that 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 there are, you know, they, there were the Templars and then the Masons, and then there's a family of 300, and then there's another group above them and another group above them and another group, and everybody thinks they're at the top. And and I mean, I think, you know, frankly. Consciousness is like an onion, and no matter how intelligent you are, there's some something more that will control you. So we're looking at puppet. We're we're looking at our governments, all of them being puppets for something else. But I don't. I don't think for a minute this is the end times. That's uh, reassuring because a lot of people seem to think it is end times at the moment. Well, if people think that, then what's the sense in having a credit card? Let's just spend it up to its limit and enjoy ourselves. And that would be a mistake uh, because you'll have to pay it off. Um, you know what they're, they're playing. I mean, I, I've been watching what's happening and it's horrible. And it, it is reminiscent of what the Nazis did. It's just horrible. But at the same time, at one point, they were saying, well, they're going to postpone the invasion because of rain. I mean, kind of, please, what kind of warrior says, hey, my, 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 my metal's going to rust. I can't go out in the rain, so let's put it off till the, till the front comes through. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, I mean, did anybody laugh at it like I did? It's like, you're going to pause it because of rain? Possible rain? I, I I mean it's it's just you know yes you're killing people and that's bad that's awful but but um you're awakening all sorts of, of, of militant feelings all over the place and and there are riots going on and all sorts of stuff but but there's there's I I, I think basically what they're doing is trying to um, depopulate the world and they're doing a pretty good job 
but but um it's depopulation and it's the only way they can get away with it they tried the plague they tried covid that didn't work so so they're gonna just do war and 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 you know kill people off that way why do you think they want to depopulate the world so it's easiest control yeah exactly they only need a certain number of people to be their their drones and their slaves and their whatever i i forget who it was probably appropriately so so i don't get sued but somebody said we have to let all these aliens in at the south border because somebody has to clean our houses and and take care of our gardens now if you talk to any of the people coming over the board and the last thing in the world they're going to do is pick cotton or tend gardens or you know they don't they're, they're not intending to come here to you know, to serve. And I think if they knew that that was someone's intent, they would have thought that trip, you know, a little further down the road. I think my concern these days is with all the people that we have in this, this country that have millions, millions and millions of them, um, they're living on the streets in places like Chicago and New York. Now, <clears throat> I used to live in New York. I remember three foot snowfall. I mean, I don't know where they're going to put all these people because once winter hits, it hits and you cannot live on the streets. So um, people should have thought that through before they started this trek. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's awful. A lot of it is they're expecting the American dream, right? Before they come over. Um, but the American dream, what's portrayed in movies and TV shows. It's a lot different than what what's going on in reality. The, the streets are not paved with gold. They're they're paved with a lot of stuff that's not too pleasant, and and it's it's um it's a shame. And, but now you're seeing coming across the border <clears throat> terrorists. You're seeing you know, criminals. You're seeing all sorts of people that are just flooding into the country, and um they don't have a very bright future. Because, you know, people are getting to the point where they're taking out their, their weapons. And, and I don't know how they're going to close the border, but they're going to have to. Yeah, well, they're flooding the place with drugs as well. So a lot of the people that lived there beforehand that weren't necessarily addicted to drugs, there's more, there's more of a probable chance that they will get addicted to drugs if the people that are illegally coming over are bringing drugs with them. And there's a massive drug crisis in America. Absolutely huge one. Yeah, it's, um, I'm very grateful I'm retired and I work from my home and I only have to go out once a week or so to get groceries or whatever. Um, it's not pleasant out there. It's just not. And it's a beautiful country. And if we had to, we could have slowly incorporated these people in the places that aren't, you know, so congested and given them an opportunity. Or it's like like that other group who wants um, reparation. And I think, I think they should get reparation. Absolutely, they should get reparation. They should get what their ancestors got. They should get a mule and an acre of land. And, and then, you know, they could make their living depending on how, how well they garden, which... <laughs> No way to go. Well, uh, the other side of that is um, Bill Gates 
buying up all of the land he possibly can so he can do the gardening for us. Um, Good luck. The groceries will be so expensive you won't be able to afford them. Yeah. Yeah, with luck as well. That's a... <laughs> um, so just a bit about you. How did you come onto your path that you're on today? Um, what led you to this road? <clears throat> well, um, I guess I, I, I guess I, I saw a UFO when I was in college. It landed on my campus, and and um, we were in the dorm. They they locked the dorms at eleven o'clock, and uh, we heard on the radio. This is in the sixties, so before TV was everywhere or iPhones had been invented. I feel old. Um, so we we um, heard on the radio that a UFO had been spotted over the campus. And of course, you know, everybody rushed to the windows and we heard the police cars coming with their sirens, you know, screeching, which is the best way to sneak up on a UFO. Um, and and so we saw we heard uh, we heard on a on one of the radios of the cars going by that they were gonna turn the stadium light on and to check it out. And we saw the glow because there was a, um, a building between my dorm and the, the field that it landed on. We saw the glow in the sky and then we saw this saucer rise up and swoop over us. And um, it was probably only a couple hundred feet above us. It was very, very low. It blanked out the sky and I jokingly have said if it had had a, a, a um, one of those, um, you know, the, the numbers they have on them, the, the, not a license plate, but, you know, the, the vehicle number and everything, I could have read it. And then, <clears throat> and then it, it paused. And it probably didn't pause for very long, but it felt like it was a long time. And then suddenly it was just a gone. No air displacement, no noise, nothing. It just was gone. And we did watch it fly in the sky towards a larger light and um, and join with that. And during the evening, a lot of lights flew to the larger light. Um, people were screaming, people were hiding under beds. Why, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I really didn't, I wasn't afraid. All I could think of was, you know, I want to know more. You know, this is truly cool. And <clears throat> the person standing right next to me did not see it. So my theory is that you have to have a level of awareness, not intellect, but awareness that, that this is possible in order to see it. And, and so... Um, and then, you know, we heard, we waited for the news to see what was, you know, what, what was going to come from it. And they, they closed the three airports nearest down, but, but um, on the news at midnight, there was nothing. And there was nothing in the newspapers. And I had to wait almost 30 years um, for somebody to write a book on the authenticated sightings of which this was one of them. So, um, and the teasing I got, oh my Lord, how much did you have to drink? And, you know, 
How many beers does it take to make one see a UFO? Asked Barbara, who doesn't drink. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that probably started me on the fact that there is more out there. There is more to life. There is more to everything. And uh, it just, it was something that was constantly pushing at me. So I was, I was 21 at the time. And of course, then the vision was you graduate college, get married and have children, you know, and live happily ever after, of course. Um, well, I did get married and I had a child, but the rest of it was, you know, no, not true. And it was, it was at that point that I realized that I was looking for something beyond what is accepted, beyond what is the norm. And, and so the, then it became a, a studying and I did teach school for 25 years, but I also um, got into spirituality and studied in a spiritualist church for seven years and ultimately became ordained and um, the spiritual took over literally. And when I had a car accident and I had to stop teaching, I was able to, to do this work full time in my forties and I'll be 80 next year. So, um, you know, it's been a very long time that I've been in the field and, and uh, discovering all sorts of things, discovering what works for me and what doesn't. And, and then with that came sensitivity and understanding so that, so that for, you know, you, you, you develop your extrasensory perception, your, your insight, your, um, your ability to read people or to understand people better. And, and in many cases, it wrecked a couple of relationships because you know when someone's lying. And, and um, you know, that's no fun. Um, so so it, it, it's, it's, it's a curse and a gift. It's, some, it's something that is always there. Um, do I always draw on it? Man, no, you know, I mean, but I'm still here to live my life here and to, to learn and to grow and to develop and all of that stuff. But this other stuff just sort of came out of the woodwork. And so that's how the website happened. You know, I would start writing stuff and have no place to put it. So I did the website and in the um, spiritual development class, we always had homework assignments. And one of the assignment was to, um, paint a Mandela for uh, a fellow class member. And I, you know, I, I had mechanical drawing when I was in high school because that's where all the guys were. So, you know, a compass and a ruler were good friends of mine. And so people liked the Mandela and asked for me to do others. And before I knew it, I was selling the Mandelas. And um, I think there are about 500 of them around the world. And then I thought, this is different. Um, it's not standard tarot because I basically um, personally, and it's just me personally, but I find tarot very archaic and I find, I find it negative if you have standard tarot that, you know, a death card, oh my God, you're going to die. And so I, I created a deck that was a spiritual deck where people could use it for their own spiritual development and insight into what's going on in their lives. So I, I have the, the chakras there and I, I couldn't pronounce the, the, the Indian words for most of them. So I renamed them 
it's my deck, I could do whatever I wanted. And um, put in some cosmic laws and some spiritual um, energies and threw in some wild cards and I had a deck of cards. And, and because a lot of the readers that I worked with said that it was impossible to have a deck you could get a negative from, I created the deck. And at, at one point, at one point, it was usually the second glass of wine that I started to trash their decks. And so they told me, you know, to create the deck or stop drinking. And so I um, created the deck and um, put it down at the table and took all the tarot card readers. I said, go ahead, make it say it, make it be negative. Go ahead. And an hour later, they gave me the bottle of wine. And, and, you know, I just did it so I could drink. But um, a friend of mine um, had a connection with U.S. Games and asked me to demonstrate for them. And they published the deck. And I, I asked the president, you know, I said, you publish every tarot deck out there just about. Why did you want this one? And he said, I like the artwork. And I said, well, that makes sense. You know, it wasn't a spiritual reading. It wasn't a, you know, you're wonderful type reading. It was so. So anyhow, um, you know, he 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 published the cards and and put them out there, and um, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was really cute that somebody wanted my artwork because I'm not an artist. And um, he he asked me to go to the ABA convention with with him to demonstrate, you know, because the cards were going to be there, and I said well, let me do readings and uh, demonstrate it. And he said, oh, nobody does that. And I said, is there a reason why you can't do readings? And he said, no. And so I said, okay, I'll do readings. And he said, nobody's going to want a reading. And I said, are you kidding? If you say free readings, you're going to get a line like you wouldn't believe. So, um, so we set up and the line was about a mile along and, and, um, you know, he was amazed that, and the next year there were lots of readers at the ABA convention. But, but anyhow, the, the cards did very, very well, and he published them for 20 years, and then he stopped publishing them, and I got the rights back. And recently we have republished them again, and I wrote a handbook that goes along with them. But, but my journey has never been a journey where I know the destination. Somebody once said, what do your followers think of what you're doing with your career? And um, I, I said, I'm horrified to think anyone would follow me because I don't know where the hell I'm going. So, um, you know, it's it's gone from doing television and doing radio and having a podcast and and um, it's I I'm a, I'm along for the ride. Mm. Make I, it I up as you go along, right? I don't think a spiritual journey is one that you are aware of what the steps are. You're just surprised when they come. Yeah, that is so true. And I, I mean, I have a question I wanted to ask, and it kind of leads from that because what, I'm fairly new into a spiritual journey. And when I speak, uh, I, I speak to people about it, uh, people who are on spiritual journeys and people that are on, on, on them at all. But something that I'm sort of, crops up quite a lot are people don't tend to commit to a spiritual journey because when they first 
get introduced to their spiritual journey, they do find it is very negative. It does point out a lot of negatives within your life. And they sort of, they sort of repel against it because of the fact that it's like, well, why would I want to do that? Because it's just going to make me feel sad because it's going to identify all the negatives in my life. What like sort of advice would you give them people who sort of turn away from it because they are facing truths about themselves? Well, can another advisor? Um, I, I haven't felt that at all. Um, your spiritual journey is an awakening of the spirit within you. And um, it's not a negative experience at all. At least it hasn't been in my experience. Um, it's, it's understanding the spiritual laws that are out there. And you, know, you, and you have the option to either apply them to your life or not. You don't have to. Man was given free will. That means if you want to louse up your life, you're fully entitled to do that. So somebody saying, I have to look at my shortcomings. Um, if you're on a spiritual journey, yeah, that, it's, it's, not, it's looking at them and finding out a way to, to make yourself better. It's not, it's not a depressing thing. It's, it's a form it's, of excitement from it. Abs absolutely. I mean, when you're working on yourself and when you're, I don't know, working with med meditation, um, you you are finding that you are becoming more and more in tune with nature. You are you are more aware of of the implications of not only things you say and do, but but you you recognize another level of understanding in, in almost everything that, that's around you. It's exciting. It's it's finding new energy and working with it. It's it's working with healing energy on yourself. It's working with healing energy on other people. Um, I've never you know. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect because I'm not, but, but the reality is that, that, you know, when I see something that, that, that maybe I could have done better, I admit it. And, and if I can backstep and fix it, I do. And if I can't, then I apologize, but it's not a negative experience at all. It's an exciting one. It's, it's attaching yourself. Everybody has within them a seed of, the, the source of all creation. You have a seed of, I'm, I'm not going to use the word God, but of the creator of, of where you come from. You, you, are, um, you are a source of creation within yourself. You're gathering wisdom and knowledge and talents and skills. And every incarnation, you get better and better and better. Um, it, it's a wonderful journey. It, it's going to take you thousands and thousands of years. It's a long trip. But I, but you're not going home to the source. You're you're growing to the point where at some point in time, you're going to break through and and realize, or it, or it will. I don't think it's even a realization. At some point in time, you will have gathered so much that you break through a dimensional wall and become the source of all creation for another dimension. So so it's an exciting journey. It's. It's so cool. I mean, the first time I was able to communicate with, you know, I don't know, one of my pets or the first time I was able to read another person or touch into their energy. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a fascinating, exciting journey. I, I think you've talked to the wrong people about the spiritual journey. <laughs> um, what you were saying, Cam, is sort of people who haven't or struggle to accept their 
downfalls or struggle to self-reflect and look at the problems they have in life. Like they just rather put them to one side and forget about them and move over there, find it more of like a scary concept to actually deal with those issues and try and work on them initially. Yeah, no, you've got a really good point. I mean, spirituality doesn't, you know, I, I, I've been in this field for over 50 years. Um, I can't walk on water yet. Um, I can if it's frozen. Um, <laughs> but 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 it's it's becoming a better person for yourself and the people around you. And it's not becoming, you know, somebody that is walking around, you know, blessing everyone. And it, it's not that. It it's it's just finding there's a greater richness in your life. There's more fun in your life. It's it's um I have I have a very good friend who you know, we, we talk every day and, you know, every now and then she'll, she'll call me and she'll say, well, here's another, I told you so moment. So, you know, I don't read her on a regular basis, but I do, you know, if I, if I find insight, I give it to her. Um, you do become more attuned to everything. And, you know, am I perfect? Oh God, no. I mean, thank God I'm not perfect. If I, if I was perfect, I would not be here. I don't know where I'd be, but but I, I am sure I would not be on the earth plane struggling with everybody else to, you know, have a good rich life. But um there are a lot of people that that, you know, that take two classes and decide that they are now enlightened and can be a reader or, you know, uh, or a healer or whatever. And that's not the case because because you don't get it from a class, you get it from your own personal evaluation and work. And the only person you can't really lie to is yourself. I guess a lot of it as well is um, sort of social expectations that are put on people. And it, it does put them off going on a spiritual journey, just the, the, the way society is built at the moment, and especially in the West. Because I know in, for example, in India, that spirituality is preached and it's very much it's very much um sort of not really questioned like it's just a part of life over there whereas in the west for a lot of people it is oh you're a spiritual person right and <laughs> they sort of look at you with funny eyes well it is so much you know you know if i say to people i'm on a spiritual journey they kind of look at me weirdly or, but so I, I basically am a podcaster and I have a website and I do spiritual things and I talk spirituality. But um, I, I think being on a spiritual journey is almost a hackneyed expression, like being a light worker. Everybody's a light worker now. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, and, and so um, it's how you live your life that says you're on a spiritual journey. Not what you say, not what you declare, not what you wear on your head and you know says, I'm on a spiritual journey, get out of my way. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's you don't talk it, you live it. And it's something that you do personally as well. It's nothing to do with anyone else around you really. It's your, your own personal thing. Well, and it's how I treat the other people around me too. You know, it's it's you become a living example of what you are. It's not it's not talk. 
you know, it's don't talk, live. Um, what, one thing that's come up quite a lot um, with people we spoke to and just from sort of my journey and even looking into spirituality itself is the word or the form of alchemy. And I do understand it to a certain degree, but I was wondering if you could explain it a bit further for me because I was talking to my other half and uh, something got mentioned about alchemy and then she was, I, I was like, I, I understand it, but I can't explain it. So I was wondering if it's something you could. Well, it can almost be compared to cooking. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and mix and stir. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, kindness and love, lovingness and, and mixing things appropriately. Um, an alchemist, um, you know, it, throughout history, they, they were wanting to make gold out of lead. And, you know, they were using all sorts of chemicals and stuff like that. Um, to me, alchemy is, is the right recipe for life and how you live your life and how you treat other people. Um, alchemy may have other meanings for other people, but to me, it's 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 the measure with which I put different aspects of myself into my everyday life and, and to my, you know, how I work with other people. Um, though I'm a reader, I basically give it people the tools that they need to do their own thing. I can't do it for them and I can't predict what they're going to do. Yeah with um so what i've noticed about and, and i think you said it earlier as well and i wanted to ask you a question about it but you, you were talking about when you were talking about your ufo um experience of, of the sighting you mentioned something which just stuck in my head was that you believe that it's a possibility that you would need a level of awareness to be able to see um a ufo so one thing that I've noticed, and me and Aaron were talking about it sort of off the podcast, was I mentioned his name before, and then suddenly my phone was ringing, and it was Aaron calling me. And I answered it, and I was like, literally, as I said his name, he called me. And we were saying, these things happen all the time, but we're only just picking up on them more and more now. So we're, we're, get, we're, we're gaining that level of awareness of things that are happening around us. Um so I guess what I'm what I'm asking is how how do you continue to train that so you can grow your level of awareness? Oh, that's what? easy. That's easy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is an easy one. Um, when when you have synchronistic things like that happening, when you have um, coincidences happening. If you, that is in many ways the spirit within, and, and I believe we are body, mind, soul, spirit. So mind and soul are, are the same thing. Spirit is your connection with um, the source of all creation. So when the, the part of you that is the spirit is trying to get through to you, in your, in your human consciousness, awareness, um, it sends hints like um, synchronicities, like, like, you know, thinking of someone and they call or 
um, knowing something's going to happen and it happens. Or so, so if you if you pay attention to those things, if you jot them down, um, if you write them down, if you keep track of them, um, the more you write them down, the more the more um, intense they become. It's sort of like saying, you know, if you say to yourself, what a coincidence, that was cool, and you move on, then it just kind of floats in the ether and it doesn't do anything. But if, if you write it down, then um, in many ways you are anchoring that connection to your spirit in the physical reality, and they become more and more and more frequent and more and more intense. And what... Um, what I have found in life is that, that by, by acknowledging them, by, by recording them, by anchoring them to my reality, they become profound. Um, when I moved here to Nashville, I came from um, Connecticut, which is very much north, very much northern. And um, I moved down here and people said, you know, you're going to the Bible Belt. Aren't you afraid they're going to, you know, burn you an effigy and I said nah uh wasn't worried about that and the 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 condo I found I found the day that uh that a that a bid was put in on the house I had in Connecticut so after a year and a half suddenly somebody bid on this and the condo that I have now um went up for sale and I called my son who was here and I said I think this is my condo and he said well do you want to fly down and look and I said no buy it and this is how much this is this is how much I, I'm I, I am willing to spend. And he said, Mom, you're supposed to barter. And I said, Nope. Tell him this and it's cash. And my son is a lawyer. He said, No, you're supposed to haggle back and forth and get a better deal. And I said, just tell them this and it's cash and they'll take it. And he said, All right, but you're wrong. And I said, Okay. And it, then he called me back and he said, they took it. And so when I moved down here, I had never actually been inside. I had just seen pictures. And it's a lovely little community of 14 condos. It's, it's, it's a very little community. And so after I moved in, I was wandering around to see, you know, how people did their gardens and everything, only to discover in my backyard is an old cemetery, which I thought was so cool. And, and, you know, they said, are you worried about the cemeteries? And, and I'm thrilled. I mean, it's, it's just so cool. And there was only one headstone I could read. And it was um, for Thomas S. Smiley and his dates were there. And I, I said, God, I wonder who he is. And, you know, he died like a couple hundred years ago. But still, this is, it's the family cemetery that's there. And it was like, how cool is this? So my friend and I did some research on him. Turns out he had a sister named Henrietta and she was married to, ready for this, Thomas DeLong, an ancestor of mine. Mm. Wow. Synchronistic, huh? <laughs> that's crazy. That is insane. Wow. So that's what happens when you really pay attention to them. Um, from finding a parking place when you want one to a dead relative in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, I said to my son, I'm more Southern than you are. I have kin buried in the backyard. 
this comment was only you, mother, only you. Now, come on. What are the chances? Yeah. So it's the universe saying you're in the right place. You know, don't think of moving again. And and um, so it, it's 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 when you recognize those signs, when you recognize them and record them and recording them is so important because before you know, I mean, I'm talking parking places when you want them, um, finding something you thought you lost, all of those things, the, the more you, you pick up on those cues that you're getting from the spirit within you, the more intensive they get and, and the more aware you are of these synchronicities and these these messages spirit is trying to give you and 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 the more attuned you get to your own energetic field and then you can then you can take it anywhere you want to take it i i, I definitely understand what you're saying about um writing them down because i mean I've, I've not been writing down the synchronicities but i've been journaling a lot more recently than I probably ever, ever have and even five years ago I wouldn't have written anything down at all ever but since I've just been writing and reflecting on my day before what I'm thinking in the mornings just things that are cropping up in my mind and things that I've done or, or things that people have been doing sort of around me it's just I'm so much more aware of my days and it so it does tie into that like I, I, I'm doing things now which usually I would have just done and not even remembered that I had done. I think we had we were speaking to a guy yesterday or the day before yesterday, and he's like, "You get up and you uh, when you need to wash the dishes, you'll sort of get up, wash the dishes. You don't know how you're doing it. You can't even remember doing it after you've done it, but you did it. But I, I feel like them small tasks I am sort of more aware of now. I'm writing stuff down, and it is a it's a it's a good feeling. It's a it's, I guess it makes you feel more. It makes you feel more alive than before. Well, you're more aware. I mean, when you stop to think about it, um, our our level of awareness is probably more wide open when we're asleep than when we're awake. We're walking around in in alpha. Um, you know, if if you're talking about you know um, energies and and it's not it's not totally it's not totally aware it's almost our lives become automatic but but the more you clear yourself the more aware you are of what's going on and this is this is not it's called spirituality it's not religious it's spirituality and you know you can be religious and spiritual and you can be an agnostic and spiritual you know it, it it's but the, the 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 spirit, the awareness of the spirit that you carry within on this journey. I mean, recognize the fact that your body is an avatar. You know, that's not you. That's your avatar. Your spirit will leave this body at some point in time and move to another place, to another body, to another form, um, another dimension, another planet, another whatever. So that so that this is just a small small itty bitty little even not even a grain of sand on a huge beach in, in in the experience that your spirit has experienced so so you know this is a learning situation this is a school and and it's a cool school it's a fun school and, and it's how you perceive it because we we truly create our reality by our perception of it yeah what do you believe 
um, is the process after our physical avatars, our vehicles, can die? What what do you think the process is following that? Um. Well, the Bible says you live a long life and and then you die, and then the next the next verse, which people don't tell you about, is and then we fly away. Our our spirit is etheric. It's um. It, it has no form to it. It is an energetic. It's an energy. And and it, it moves into that space that is beyond the earth, whether it's a dimension or 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 what I'm not sure. Um, I'll send you a postcard when I go and I'll let you know. Um, it's it's and 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 what it does is it it sort of takes a while to kind of absorb everything and then choose where and how and when it wants to re whether it wants to revisit the earth plane or or whether it is um you know wants to go to a different dimension or a different plane or a different planet or wherever um because it has all the time in the world it's eternal and and it, it will it will gestate for a while it, it may even decide it wants to become a guide for someone it can it, it, it the, the the potential is limitless there's not a you know you have to have so many lifetimes and graduate to where you can do this or that it's it's a matter of uh, of of experiencing the physical the physical reality and and then choosing where next you want to place yourself a lot of people come back to earth a lot and um you know, they, they, in a way, in spirit form, sort of determine what they want to learn or how they, what they want to experience. And then what's fascinating is that, that when, when human parents uh, create an embryo, um, the moment that the heart beats is the moment that Spirit moves into that physicality. Spirit brings with it its Akashic records. And those Akashic records are woven into the DNA of the baby. So you have with you your hall of records. You have within you all of the information that you have gathered in lifetimes past. And, and at the moment of death, when you leave the body, you take with you your Akashic records, you take with you the information gathered and you move into that realm and then for a while, decide where you want to go, what you want to experience next. And I think the one thing that most people um, misinterpret is that, that you know, um, I'm here to heal and I'm here to do this and I'm here to do that. The reality is what you think with your limited human mind is so inappropriate as to the real purpose of the lifetime. Your reason for coming here may to, may to be to make people you don't know smile and know what it feels like to, to, to know that you've given joy and experienced it. And no matter what other grand things you do on this earth plane, what your what your physical ultimate total experience is is not really what you're really here for. It's on a more spiritual level, and it has more to you to do with your spiritual awakening and your awareness and and your growth for 
your next lifetime. Mm. That's really, really well put. Because th there is the theory, right, that you're on Earth, to, well, similar to what you've said, to gain a level of awareness. And I guess, I don't know how what's the best way to say it, but if you, once your, your body, your avatar does die, whether or not you've hit that level of awareness or not, you'll either revert back to the beginning and go again and see if you could gain that level of um, awareness. Well, the thing can... is, you're here to, the, the spirit in its etheric form isn't physical, can't experience any pain, love, emotion, um, drunkenness, um, stupidity. I mean, it, it, it can't experience any of those things. So, I mean, even criminals are here. You know, let's face it, what criminals do and experience is another part of the totality of the human spirit. So it has to be experienced. And, and you know, in a past lifetime, you've probably done some nasty things, but happily, you know, you've got that out of the way and you can go on to other, other good stuff. But it's, it's, you have to understand that, that you stub your toe, you feel the pain. The spirit in spiritual form can't stub anything. So that the, the pain and love and, and loss and empathy and compassion and all of that is something you need to be in a physical form in order to be able to experience. Right. And you mentioned earlier, um, about basically um well you, you spoke about animals right and pets i'm not sure did you mention which type of animal it was um i don't know um but what relevance do animals on earth have to a spiritual journey actually they have a huge relevance for one thing the animal that you fear if you have a fear of any particular animal, check into what its um, spiritual qualities are. And for instance, I'll take snakes. Yeah, I was going to say snakes. <laughs> snakes, coincidence. Um, <clears throat> snakes, snakes represent wisdom. So if you're fear, if you are fearful of a snake, and I am, um, they represent wisdom. So in a way. I have um, a reluctance to gather some wisdoms because, you know, I'm not ready to gather them or whatever they are. Um, you know, I have I have cats. I've always had cats and dogs, um, and and you know whatever their spiritual meaning is, um, you know they add that to my life. But um, they are they are you have animals also that are power animals that, that you are attracted to quite often, you know, quite sometimes it's, it's something you're afraid of. Other times it's not, it's just something you're, you're a fanatic about, but animals have spirits too, and they are growing and they're on a spiritual journey as well. So that, so that, um, you know, they, they do visit you after they die. Um, they're on a, a spiritual journey for their own domain and and they do they do come back i don't i don't believe they you know i don't believe a horse will come back as a mouse or a cat will come back as a dog or anything like that i, I think we're i think it's species 
it, it, it centers on whatever species they happen to be. But but they animals are very important to us because for one thing, most of them, dogs especially, give you unconditional love. And and people who have dogs often have a need for unconditional love on some level. Um, cats are <laughs> drama queens, you know, they'll love you if you feed them right. Um, but but you know, um, but I'm a cat person. And and but but I think there are many different levels and ways you can look at what animals do. They have great relevance for the lifetime and and not only for that, for the planet, because without the animals, we wouldn't have any food, among other things. Yeah, the ecosystem we, wouldn't run the way it does work. Right. So and and every animal, whether it's an ant or a tarantula, has a spiritual connotation to it as well. So it's important to really take a look at those things, especially the animals that, that you really have an aversion to, because that is something you might want to learn about and work upon this lifetime. Right. Yeah, because the ancient Egyptians worshipped cats, right? They saw significance in cats. Oh, yeah, so did the Chinese. Uh, chi Chinese even more so. Um, for for the Chinese, their the cat's purpose was to to draw heavy energy from um, from humans, and they do that. Um, if you'll notice, oftentimes I I used to have a meditation circle, 70, 17 to twenty some people, and they would sit around in a circle, and and before we would go into the meditation, my two cats would walk around the circle, and they would always jump on onto someone's lap for the meditation. And I always knew that those were the people that emotionally were having trouble that day. Oh. 100% accurate. So, you know, I think we need to pay more attention to, to our animals and what they're telling us about. For instance, um, well, they pick up on the energy of um, the environment and react to it. And the best example I have of that is our president, who's had two German Shepherd dogs who have bit people. He has dementia. He's in an atmosphere that is terribly confusing and highly charged. The dog is picking up on that energy and reacting to it by, by, by nipping people. Animals do that. Animals, I had um, some lady come to my door. Uh, she, she was scheduled for a reading and she came in and she'd had a very bad day. And um, I noticed that I, I tell everybody that came into the house that, that they were cat scanned because the cat usually checked them out and then went and took a nap. And um, my cats and my dogs, when this woman walked into the house, were non-existent. They, they just weren't there. And I should have picked up on it and said, you know, it's been a bad day. I really, really, really don't think it's a good idea to do a reading and reschedule. Now that would have been the mature thing to do, but I didn't do that. And I ended up with a migraine headache for three days because she was crazy. And I sat there with her for two and a half hours. And she was absolutely nuts. And when you're reading someone, you're blending with their energetic field. So, um, so pay attention because they any animal react 
will react to the environment. Look at look at the buffalo. We're leaving um, Yellowstone National Park a while back because the um, geysers and the volcano underneath it were very, very active. They were literally walking out of the park. So, and in China, they they watch the uh, the snakes, and when the snakes start to come above ground, they know there's an earthquake that's imminent. So, yeah, everything's there for a reason, and if you figure it out, um, you you have greater information on your environment. Is this why, um, with the Chinese? I'm just going to Google it quickly. They've got the Chinese zodiac, which is obviously the different animals that they put on to people because they year of like the dog and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure that's how it came about, but it certainly has. Um, it does apply to people who were, you know, born in the year of the monkey or the year of the whatever. Um, they have that quality. It doesn't mean they become that animal, but it does mean that there are aspects of that quality that are that are manifest within their characteristics. Mm. And I, I do find, I've not looked into it as much as I, I, I should do, but I've, I do find fascinating that the Chinese seem to have sort of latched onto the dragon. And I've always seen, up until recently, I've always seen dragons as just fantasy but they do seem to have a lot more relevance than what fantasy makes out that they have. Well, yeah, you know why there are no more around? Why? Yeah, well, they ate all the virgins. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were serious. I just, you know. Um, <laughs> I believe that dragons literally did exist in, in one of our, 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 our previous um, evolutions before the floods, before I do believe that the dragons are a creature that, uh, I mean, the Komodo dragon dragons are out there still, but I do believe that, that um, some of the dinosaurs before the dinosaurs were dragons. I think, I think it's something that was very much there. You believe they were fire breathing? Uh, yeah, I really do. I do. Now, it could have been millions and millions of years ago, several whatever ago, but I, I think that something that comes into our culture that we hold on to, that we keep finding a part of our culture, is, is there only because it's in our memory bank that we've actually seen it and experienced it and, and believe them to be real. Yeah, you, you see that in fantasy a lot because they've, they sort of exploit a lot of what is has been real in the past and what is real still today because if you I look totally, at yeah sorry. no i i absolutely believe it yeah because well, yeah when you look at not like what usually usual fantasy is folklore right is it is that right folklore yeah and 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 or a myth and and i mean i always thought the druids you know were the the first tree huggers but uh, apparently, before the Druids came, the Tuatha de Dan, and and you know they were another level of gods. And and let's face it, I believe personally that humans made up the gods. So um, you know they they needed an explanation for something they couldn't explain it, so they made it a god. 
fire became, you know, came from the gods. Uh, so, you know, and, 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 you know, someday money will be the god, um, or if it isn't already. I mean, we, we worship the almighty dollar oftentimes more than we go to church. Mm. Yeah, well, it seems like today, um, I, this was months and months ago, I was having this conversation about the sort of next era of gods and what it seems like it will be is the gods will be seen as, you know, like the Elon, Elon Musk's, the Mark Zuckerberg's, all of these sort of tech titans in years to come, once they can fully infiltrate us through technology they can pioneer them themselves as gods so well they are the titans and the titans were a were before the giants so i i would say that they are giants of industry for sure um i i think it's going to be interesting to see where religion goes because religion is changing and shifting too uh, spirituality will always be spirituality because it does grow with the, the consciousness and the awareness and, and the, the um, humanity. But, but what we worship is a whole nother ball of wax. And, you know, knowing that we have a part of the infinite inside of us in many ways to pray to something outside of us is not appropriate to talk to ourselves and the power that we have within ourselves. I mean, let's face it, we only use a small percentage of, of what we have inside of us. Imagine if we were fully or if we were fully realized um, what we could do. You know, where somebody said we were gods in training. And and in a way that is true. Have you noticed an increase in people like starting their spiritual journey or slowly awakening in the past few years? There are a lot more people aware of the spiritual journey. I'm not sure how far they are, but you know, that's not for me to judge. But 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 I I do I, I'm there are more enlightened people out there than ever before. And and the reality is, you know, it's not a school you go to, it, it's, it's, it's how you are manifesting what you're learning. And, and it's, it's, there's so many people that are giving classes for, you know, take my class for $5,000 and I'll show you how to get into the fourth dimension with your, with your spiritual energy. But it's a bunch of bunk. It's the ripoff. And yet people want the certificate to I, I had one lady come to me with a, a notebook and in it was a certificate for almost everything you can imagine. And she said, why is my life crap? And I said, because you have an ugly notebook. And she <laughs> said, what are you talking about? I said, your notebook should be empty. Your life should be full. Yeah, because from what it sounds like, she's doing a bit of a, a tick box exercise. She's trying to tick all the boxes and say, look, my life's complete. Whereas it can't be. No, it is. It is. Um, it's, it's disappointing. I think in a way for a lot of people that, that it's not a class you can take because a lot of people, I mean, I've got, you know, two master's degrees, you know, and then we're ordained minister and, and my life from time to time is crap, just like everybody else's. 
because how else are you going to learn? Now, now, when something like that happens to me, um, I recently, one of my cats passed away, um, not in an easy way. And, you know, I, you know, I shed the tears, but, you know, I, I put him down because that was the kindest thing to do. And somebody said, you know, you're not, you know, crying a lot and you're not. I, and I said, you know, I did the best thing I could do for him. I loved him to pieces. His energy is still around me. He hasn't gone anywhere. And if I didn't react this way, I would be a hypocrite to my belief system. I, yeah, I, I, you know, he's, he's not even gone, but not forgotten because the cat that's, that's still alive sees him all the time. He jumps on the bed. I mean, he's still there. So, so his energy is still there. And I did the kindest, most loving thing I could for him. So I miss him terribly because he was a character, but, but he was here for a reason. He fulfilled that reason and he moved on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the manifesting side of it is like a route to, I don't want to say conquer, but it's, it's the route to sort of push yourself down as best as possible. Cause we, we were just having a conversation with um, Pat two days ago and he, and um, he went fully in with manifestation and really made me realize that it's up to you what you manifest but it's so easy to get caught astray because of all of the distractions that are around us and manifest the wrong thing completely well and and a lot of times you expect other people to do for you things that you should be doing for yourself and and it's i i tell people um for for a long time i i kept looking for a spiritual development circle i thought it would be fun to go to and I couldn't find one and I complained to someone and they said, well, what do you tell people? Which was a slap in the face. And uh, what I tell people is if you can't find what you're looking for, create it. So that's what I did. And there was a, there's a spiritual development circle on, um, on the website that I did for a number of weeks. Um, I expected it to be, I had, I had over a hundred people sign up for it all over the world because we, we did it. On, um, on on blog talk and then I posted it and I I thought half the people half the people actually were practitioners so I thought this is going to be the coolest place to share philosophies and to talk about things and I found that nobody had a background nobody understood spirituality, um, the spiritual laws, the philosophies, the energies that we work with. So I stopped trying to get them to talk to me and I ended up lecturing. And uh, all the lectures are there and all the material that I lectured from are on the website as well. So, and, and I would send them the information we were gonna talk about on Monday and we would do the show on Wednesday and Thursday. And um, all of the information is there. Sometimes I gave them as much as a hundred pages of of stuff. So it's it's cool to look at, and and the lectures are there as well. The recordings are there, so you can listen to me trying to get someone to talk to me, and then giving up and just channeling. <laughs> yeah, 
I'll um I'm gonna look through it all anyway, but I'm gonna leave it all in the um note section for when we put this out to everyone because it's um it, um, your website is amazing in all honesty it's one of the best websites i've been on since i've been there like in, within this sort of side of side of the world it is by far one of the best that i've been on well i often get lost in it myself i found something that i thought was just beautiful and i just loved it and um i i actually even put it through that 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 uh program to see if it was plagiarized because it was too good. It was too good for me to have written. Uh, <clears throat> turns out I did write it, and it's now up there. <laughs> um, I, I like how on your website you've got this questions commonly commonly asked. I, I, before we spoke today, I took a good good long look through there, and it was really good. Well, the next book is going to be 101 Spiritual Questions. And um, everything from who are we, what what are we, why are we here, to uh, what's the purpose of a dream, to um, what is angel hair, to um, just questions that are asked that most people don't answer and they just hang in the air. So... So, so I'm, I, I've got a hundred or so and, and I will answer them and stick them in a book. That's a really good idea. Out of curiosity, what, what is angel hair? <laughs> angel <laughs> hair is, um, well, it's kind of a mystical thing. It's like, it, it looks like spider webs. And um, the cool thing about it is that, that um, if you touch them, they, they absolutely dissolve um they they they're, there are theories that they were spider ribs or or stuff like that but but they're not they they actually have a little phosphorus in them so that they will burn um they appear and they disappear at will in lots of different places they appeared at one of the fatima um sightings um they fell like rose petals so i don't know what they are i i know i know there are pictures of them but I, I I can't give you a real absolute explanation of, of why they appear or not. I think that, that they have something to do with the atmosphere and and then the level of awareness of the people around so that it's showing or it's confirming something, but I'm not sure what. But there's a lot written on, on the 101 questions. There's a whole... I have a whole lot of suggestions people have made as to what they are, and there is a picture of them. Okay, I'll check that one out. Yeah, it's easy to spend a lot of time on that page because there's some good questions. In there. Uh, wh when are you um, hoping to write your next book? Um, I just survived the last one. Um, it was the the, the um, publisher that said he'd republish the cards. You know, I said, great, go for it. And he said, now where's the handbook? And I said, well, there's a little book in the deck. And he said, no, where's the handbook? You've talked about the handbook. And I said, I never wrote it. And he said, 33 years and you haven't written it? And I said, no. And he said, don't you think you're ready? And I said, probably. And he said, then write it. 
So it, it took me a couple of months and I wrote it. Um, it was, uh, it was, I think I gave him 400 pages and he changed the font. It became 300, but, um, but there's a lot of really good information in there. Um, every now and then I would say something and I realized maybe people don't have a background for this. Let me give them the background. So I gave them the background about solfeggio music. I gave them the background about different layers of energetics around us. Um, if, if it felt like it needed explanation, I just put the explanation in. So the next book, will, well, it'll be out when I finish it. Yeah. That's what Michelangelo said to the Pope. He kept looking up saying, when is this, when is this going to be finished? And he kept saying, when I finish it, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, that is the best way to be. Um, yeah, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on because um, this has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, cheers, oh, Barbara. Had a really good time. Oh, I had a lovely time too. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And thanks to Brandon for connecting us. Um, I mean, this was... As soon as he mentioned your name and then I checked out your website, I was just from that point, I was so excited just to jump on. Well, it's been delightful. Yeah, it's been amazing. So thank you very much. We'll leave all of your um, links and everything in the description so everyone can find you and find your amazing website. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye now. Take care. Bye.